Unnecessary Roughness on Raider Nation Radio, 920 AM. Here's your boy Q. Welcome in and welcome back. Hour number two of the show, Unnecessary Roughness, Raider Nation Radio 920. We're going up till 3.30 this afternoon. We started at 12, so uh, just a little programming note. We'll do the same thing on Thursday as we're making way for Aces basketball. They'll be taking on the Connecticut Sun. Starting at 3.30, that's the broadcast. Tip-off is at 4 o'clock with T.C. Martin. You'll be able to hear that call right here on Raider Nation Radio 920. Again, that's today and tomorrow, so we're starting at 12. JT the Brick is on vacation. He's actually in a location where I'll be at. Sooner rather than later, at the end of the month, I'll be headed to Hawaii for vacation. I uh, went there last year, and I was like, Jared, I got to go back. <laughs> it's so that nice. good? Hey, man, it's so nice. You got to go back twice, man. It, it's, it's All a, inclusive? It, no, no, no. We just did a little Airbnb action, and, uh, you know, just. You love yourself an Airbnb. Hey, man, that's the only way to go, brother. And if you get a good one, it's great. If you don't, well. <laughs> as long as I'm not staying with you, you're good. No, nah, you know what? Everywhere that you stayed has been good. It's oh, just yeah. something happens. I break something. You'll either break something or you'll leave your keys behind. Or you'll break something. Yeah, I think you've broken something everywhere. You yes. just kind of do that. That's just kind of what you do. I, but I'm lanky and I move my arms wild. Every once in a while you get a little, you know, uncoordinated or, or you know, kind of fall like Anthony Davis does, right? Where it just kind of like you, you fall uncomfortably. But it's okay. I'm not mad at you. But no, for the most part, man, I, I usually have really good success at Airbnbs every once in a while, like when I went to Phoenix for the owners' meetings, yeah, not so much. You know, there's been some locations where I'm like, man, damn it, <laughs> what did I do? But being in Indianapolis for the uh, for the combine, fantastic, right? All these places. Uh, you saw our spot when we were there for the Super Bowl, great. Yeah, fantastic. Hell of a location. So I mean, most of the time it works out really well, and it's a lot cheaper than staying at a at a nice hotel. But we'll go. What we did last year when we went to Hawaii. We stayed at the Airbnb. It was, it was very reasonably priced. But then we went to like the fancy resort hotels for activities. You know, like nice. we, went to, we went to the Luau, and then so after the Luau, we went and sat in this hotel. And I don't know which one it was. It was in Maui. Someone who's uh, my my guy Aaron. He he's very familiar with it. But it's like you look up and it's it's open. It's like open roof, right? And you're just sitting in this. I don't know. I can't even describe it. But it was the fancy of the fancy. And I told the wife, I was like, Hey, next year we're gonna stay here. She's like, The hell we ain't. <laughs> We are not staying here. Are you insane? And I was like, no, I think it'd be cool because it's – and she's like, no, I'm not letting you convince me of that. And I was like, all right, you're right. So, And that's, that was the right move. Believe me, that's the right decision. I just, I just tried to get squirrely because I'm sitting there and I'm, and I'm enjoying the spot. And I'm like, man, we need, to, we need to try to stay here next year. And she's like, uh, no, that's not going to happen. So anyway, JT is on his way to Maui, and I'll be headed there at the end of the month. I think Clay is on vacation around the 14th of the, of the month. So all these – all these, all our different people are, are are rotating in and out as we try to get a little R and R. Got to get us. It's a very small window in between, in between like mandatory mini camp, OTAs, nothing, then training camp. So you got to hit that small window when you can. So I'm looking forward to doing that coming up at the end of the month. I did throw a question out there on the don'tbebroke.com text line at 69187, keyword r as I like to do each and every day, bring a new topic to the show. Also, the listener not line, you can chime in anytime. We don't have a guest at 702-365-9200. What are your three big questions about the Raiders as mandatory minicamp opened up today? And they could be about anything. My three questions. First one, who will be the most impactful rookie? Right? There's obviously uh, plenty to choose from. Right. The easy answer would probably be Tyree Wilson because he was the number one overall pick, but that doesn't necessarily mean he's going to be the biggest impact. So that's my, my, my first question. Who's going to be the most impactful rookie? Number two, what difference does a year make? You know, the players returning, coaches coming back. How much different does it look like now that they're in year two of this system as opposed to 
you know, being just trying to learn it on the fly, like we heard Trayvon Merrick at the end of the first hour, he was talking about it's, it's, it's a lot more easier for him, more familiar to him, because it's Patrick Graham's second year of the scheme, so he feels a lot more comfortable in that. Of course, he's got a lot of work to do. In my opinion, this training camp and preseason is huge for Trayvon Merrick. He's got to go out there and show and prove that he is the guy that needs to be at that safety position. So uh, what difference does a year make? And then three, how much more of the playbook is going to be opened up with Jimmy G under center as it was to a year ago? So that's the three questions I have. What says you? 702-365-9200. And then the don'tbebroke.com text sign 69187. And, of course, we were at – and keyword R&R, by the way. And we were at the Intermountain Healthcare Performance Center yesterday. We had the Raiders Roundtable, JT the Brick, Eric Allen, and myself. We were able to talk to many different players. We talked to GM Dave Ziegler. We talked to Max Crosby. Talked to Jacoby Myers, Andre James, who you'll hear from later on in the show. Uh, Marcus Epps we talked to. A lot of different folks that we were able to talk to and see how it was basically what we were calling the first day of school, picture day. Everyone was out there uh, doing what they do. And also, we talked to Brian Hoyer. That's Jared's guy. We had an opportunity to catch up with him right before we talked to Jacoby Myers. And JT really started out the whole conversation just talking about how has the transition been from where he was before to where he is now. How excited are you? Because you've come from a lot of success in your career. You come to this organization with familiar faces in the GM and the coach. How's the transition been for you? Uh, pretty seamless when it comes to the football aspect, for sure. Um, to come in and know the offense day one, um, not only Josh, but um, I could go down the list of uh, coaches from Bo Hardigree, Jerry Shaplinski, Mick Lombardi, Carmen Brasillo, even you know on the defensive side, Pat Graham. So to see a bunch of familiar faces always makes it an easy transition, and it's been great for me to uh, to get back and, and play offense in the in this system. I got to jump into the shoe game. I'm looking at the hold on, man. We, we, it's the first These are fresh day of out of the box, man. Yeah. Fresh out of the box. I like it. Looking yeah. sharp. Looking yeah. sharp. How does it feel though? Just first day of school, almost. You know, it's, yeah. it's picture day, and everybody's having yeah. a good time. It's fun. I mean, when you get to this point of where I'm at in my career, you're like, all right, let's get this over with and, and get back to football. So um, it's fun, especially you know, going to a new team, trying yeah. new threads, and uh, but um, you know, see everybody getting glammed up for their their uh their photo shots and everything <laughs> but uh no it's great i mean have a great setup here this great facility and yeah. get it all done and like i said get back to football tomorrow i said uh tell, what would brian hoyer year one yeah say to brian hoyer year 15 uh i never thought you'd make it that far <laughs> i mean i started off as like the fifth quarterback in new england so uh to get to year 15 is is um Man. something i'm proud of and obviously with this new opportunity and this team and this organization um really to end my career you know that's the way it's going to be yeah. so um excited to meet all the guys obviously a great group um get to work with them every day and and uh just go out and you know execute and have fun yeah to follow up what does it take for a player who's not the five-star sure. guy who's not to to um, to make it 15. a lot of hard work um being a lot of uh, being around a lot of great people um, learning from those people and and uh, making those connections and then going out and when you have an opportunity just do, you know do the best you can with it and um, you know keep learning keep building and you know even in year 15 I'm still learning every day so especially the way the game's evolving there's new defenses there's new ways to attack those defenses so um, I've learned from a lot of great people um, obviously coming here uh, a big factor of it was coming to play for Josh because I've learned the most from him over my career and um, just excited about the opportunity. Ryan, tell us about the system. Why mm-hmm. is it so successful? Because you would think it would be really difficult yeah. and demanding. Derek Carr, former quarterback, all the success in New England. What is really the key to this system and learning and getting up to speed? Yeah, it's um, look, it's not easy, but this is the NFL. It's not supposed to be easy. Uh-huh. Um, 
Josh puts a lot of responsibility on the players and especially on the quarterback. And I think um, once I learned to embrace that, it opened my eyes to, you know, what it does for you as a player and not only for the quarterback, but the entire offense. So, like I said, you know, you asked, you know, how do you make it this long? It's being around really smart people, learning from those people, not only um, Josh, but um, Tom and, and guys like that to be able to be in the room and watch those guys game plan and say, hey, this is why we're doing this. And you learn to understand the why. And it's not just, you know, the X's and O's on the paper. There's a reason for everything. And I think when you get to that point, you realize, you know, um, they're putting us in the best advantage and best opportunity to, to win. And that's all you can ask for. How, how important is it for you to be able to send that message to the rest of the guys in the, in the locker room that may just start to learn the system, even yeah. backup quarterbacks like Aiden O'Connell as well? Yeah. Um, look, I think that's part of the role. That's part of the reason I'm here. Um, we have a lot of other guys who've played in the system. Adam Jacoby Myers, right. one of the smartest players that I've ever played with. Um, you know, was able to, to learn it quickly as a rookie. I remember, you know, as a joke, I guess in, in New England, they make the rookies wear all these crazy numbers. He was number 69 playing receiver. <laughs> and um, he was one of the main guys I was working with because he was like on the second team. And he was another undrafted guy. And I was like, man, this guy can play. You know what I mean? Former quarterback, knew, you know, where the zones were in the defense. And he did a great job. So excited to, you know, pair back up with him. And but, um, you know, all of us who've played in the system before, like it is our responsibility to um, help those other guys if they have questions or, you know, maybe point something out that maybe they're not noticing. And, um, you know, I think that's part of our role. Yeah, what's the number, what would you say the number one ingredient or aspect of a person's game uh, to make them successful in this system? Uh, well, I think it's, it's communication. Okay. Um, I think it's communication and trust. I think, um, you know, when you see us out there, there's a lot of communication going on and, and you all have to see it through the same set of eyes. So that's what this OTAs, that's what the mini camps for is to, you know, build the, that foundation and make sure that when the ball snapped, everybody's seen it the same way. And I think, um, you know, football is the ultimate team sport, especially offense. You know, on defense, one guy can fall down. He could be away from the play. It doesn't yeah. hurt him. But on offense, you know, one guy messes up. It probably messes up the other 10 guys. So we're just working on building that consistency right now, um, kind of coming together, gelling together. And, um, you know, it's great to have those opportunities in the spring and then come training camp to, to kind of build that foundation. One of the big sports radio topics over the decades now, because Tom Brady played so long, was <laughs> was it Brady? Was it the play calls? And I always say there is no Tom Brady unless Bill Belichick and the organization drafts him. Sure. And if Josh McDaniels isn't there for all those Super Bowls designing those plays, yeah. then there's no AFC championship victories come from behind in a Super Bowl down 28 to three. I want you to tie that into what coach is trying to do now with you, Jimmy, the system here, yeah. with a guy like Devontae and Josh Jacobs, because you played with elite players winning championships in New England. Yeah, um, look, it's all got to tie together. I mean, the thing that, you know, I had a front row seat to, to witness all those guys work, and, um, you know, the, like we talked about before, the communication, the trust, the understanding of what what's the goal? What, what, are, the, what are the musts this week? What do we have to do to win this game? And, um, you know, for me, it's been fun to come out here and run this system with a guy like Devontae. Mm -hmm. You know, quite honestly, I've never been in this <laughs> offense when you have a guy like him who's just like a human cheat code. And no matter what they do, you throw him the ball, he's going to catch it. I mean, I've, I've sat there and watched the film from last year over and over. And you're like, yeah. oh, my God, how, how is he making this catch? And then you get a chance to go out there and throw it to him. You're like, all right, just put it in his vicinity. Yeah. Um, you know, so to get to do that, uh, you know, eventually get – you know, get playing with Josh. Um, he had a tremendous year last year. Um, you know, the wide receiver room is obviously deep. We talked about Jacoby, but um, obviously Hunter Renfro and 
and um, you know Philip Dorsett. I mean, I play with Phil. I mean, this guy's a speed demon. Run, He's huh? a speed demon. So um, you know, a lot of different aspects. And I think you know, you talk about this offense. Each year is different in this offense, and it's all about the players. You know, how are we going to put our players in the best position to have success? And you know, Josh is you know one of the best, if not the best, at doing those things. So. You know, that goes back to the trust and, and understand, you know, some things might be a little difficult, but there's a reason that we're doing it. Brian Hoyer from yesterday's uh, Raider Roundtable at the Intermountain Healthcare Performance Center. Eric Allen, JT, and myself had an opportunity to sit down and talk to him for a few minutes. And it's, it's always good to hear from someone who understands the coach and has played with the coach or for the coach before. Just like when we heard from Jacoby Myers, it just uh, and he admitted like, hey, you know, Josh put the the answer's in front of me. I just didn't accept it my rookie year. That's why my rookie year I spent most of the season on the bench, and he was very honest about it, and I, I could appreciate that. And so, uh, you know, guys that are excited to play in this system with these players, and, and Brian Hoyer, again, you know, hopefully he never sees the field in 2023, but, you know, him just talking about how it's such a pleasure to be out there and play with a guy like Devontae Adams, a human cheat code, just lets you know, really, how good this offense can be if everything is clicking the right way all the guys are healthy. I know Brian Hoyer is your guy, but honestly, I mean, no one ever wants the backup quarterback to be in there. Oh, yeah. That's Except for you. Well, I mean, when Chad Henney was with the Chiefs, I definitely was like, yeah, he can go ahead and keep that clipboard handy. <laughs> right. Um, the backup quarterback is always the most popular guy in town until he actually has to get into the game. And then it's like, oh, man, you don't want the backup in there. But, again, he's a guy that knows the system. He can, you know, he, he's not going to go out there and win you a bunch of games, but if he has to come in there in a pinch, he's not going to be a guy that you're 100% concerned about. Uh, again, if you're if he's out there for the long term, then then yeah, I'm concerned. But he also, he's going to have an opportunity, and, and you heard him mention it there, to, to help coach up Aiden O'Connell and, and teach him the system as well, just like Jared Stidham did for Carr and everyone else last year. I mean, Stidham was yeah. that guy. He basically taught a lot of the guys and the understanding of the offenses, the nuances of the offense, and that's just how it goes. So uh, there was Brian Hoyer from the roundtable. A little bit later on in the show, you'll hear from Andre James. Uh, at one thirty. you'll hear Marcus Mosher, Raiders Wire. He'll join us uh, live on the show. The three questions that I threw out there are the question I actually asked you was about the three biggest questions you have about the Raiders as mandatory minicamp opened up today. I uh, got a text from the 253 on the don'tbebroke.com text line at 69187, keyword r I think a year under this playbook is huge, especially for the defense, because I think offense has the more experienced quarterbacks who know the system. I think Amik has a great chance of playing more because of big plays he made last season, thinks he takes another step with the same coaching staff, hope he plays against Judy the first game of the season because of their trash talking last season uh, before Amik took one for a touchdown. DB room is competitive, but ever since college, I know Amik has that dog in him. That's from the 253, and that's a good point. And Meek is the only guy. He's the last man standing from the 2020 draft class. The last draft pick in the 2020 draft class for the Raiders is Amik Robertson. And he's the only one from that draft class. Saw him yesterday. He didn't get to join the show yesterday while we were there, but he walked by. And I always go and talk to him in the locker room following games. So he looked over immediately and was probably like, oh, there's that dude again. I better go get to the locker room before this guy comes and Take asks me to do an interview. <laughs> I always, I'll see Amik in the locker room and be like, Meek, you got a couple minutes? He's like, yes. <laughs> he, he never says no. Good or bad, whatever the game was, he never says no to that to his credit. But I'm sure that sometimes he's like, man, here goes this guy again. Josh Jacobs does the same thing. He told us last year after he won uh, the Craig Long Jr. Award, he was like, man, I don't even want to talk to y'all half the time. Like, you know, I, I come into the locker room and think, man, I got to talk to these guys again. But he does it. Again, to his credit, he does it. And Max will talk 
win, lose, whatever the case may be. He always talks to us. I mean, all these guys, they, they're able Devontae, same thing. All talk to us in the locker room, regardless if it's a win or a loss. They'll, you know, let us know how they're feeling. And we can appreciate that because we can bring that conversation back. And I can, I can try to relay it to you and say this is what Devontae said, or I can let you hear what Devontae said. Here's what Devontae said, and it goes a lot further. So we do appreciate them uh, when they help us out in the locker room. And I'm excited about Amik Robertson. I, I, I really am. And last year I remember uh, the last preseason game. They played that fourth preseason game. I swore up and down that that was going to be his last game in the silver and black. I, I thought, remember you doing that. Yeah, I thought I was, was done. Dri- I think I was driving around, and I was going, I was going, I, I agree with Damon. <laughs> right. I thought, he was, I thought he was a done deal because he hadn't, in my opinion, hadn't done a lot throughout the course of the preseason. And then that fourth preseason game, he really balled out. I mean, he really had a really good game. And I remember talking to him after the game. I was like, well, you know, I don't know what your roster status is. You probably don't know either. But, you know, it looks like you left it all out the field. He's like, I did. I did. I left everything I could on the field. And I thought he had a pretty decent season. Did he have moments where, you know, he got beat? Yeah, of course. But he did make plays. Something I've been talking about, I don't know, for months on top of years. Go make plays. Amik Robinson made some plays. Took a ball to the house, intercepted Kyler Murray. I mean, he's one of the few that got his hands on some balls last season. They only had six interceptions. He had a couple of them. So, I mean, there, there's there's that. So, uh, yeah, I, I'm, I'm excited to see what training camp looks like for Amik Robertson and to see what preseason looks like for Amik Robertson and how he fits in Patrick Graham's uh, uh, system another year. We'll see what happens with number 21, Amik Robertson. 117 is the time. Let us know your feedback. Three big questions that you have as the Raiders opened up mandatory minicamp today. Let us know. 69187, keyword R&R, and also 702-365-9200. This is Raider Nation Radio 920. It's unnecessary roughness with your boy Q on Raider Nation Radio. Mark, got Marcus Mosher from the Raiders Wire coming up at 130. We'll also love to hear from you at 702-365-9200 and the don'tbebroke.com text line 69187, keyword R&R. Your three biggest questions about the Raiders is mandatory minicamp opened up today. My three real quick, who will be the most impactful rookie? What difference does a year make for players and coaches coming into year two? How much more of the playbook will be opened up with Jimmy G under center? But we'd love to hear from you. Mailman Raider, hit us up. Don'tbebroke.com text line 69187, keyword R&R. Q, a few questions I'd have is which one of the Year three or lower guys step up and show that they can be a leader on and off the field. We know we got Max and Devontae Adams who could show up to be that too. How different does this team look with more guys this staff wanted for their scheme? And has McDaniels learned anything from year one to year two on the Raiders? And I think all three of those questions are very valid. Very valid. I know one guy, and we'll hear Coach McDaniels talk about him a little bit later on the show. Uh, Divine Diablo sounded like a guy when he was talking earlier today that he's pretty excited about what he's doing as far as leader on and off the field. I'm a little confused. I probably shouldn't be confused because it's just competition. And right now you have, you know, a 90, actually technically 91 guys on the roster since uh, they have the international player. But when we talked to Dave Ziegler yesterday, he was talking about Robert Spillane who they brought in from Pittsburgh, wearing the green dot. And then Coach McDaniels today talked about Devon Diablo wearing the green dot. So I say I'm confused. I'm not really because, again, it's just competition. And they don't obviously both have to be on the field at the same time, but you can't wear two green dots, right? You can only have one green dot. So one could be, you know, obviously a backup or whatever, and they could be competing for the starting job with the green dot on, right? But obviously Devon Diablo uh, has been here, been in the system, uh, got cut short last year because of injury, and then Robert Spillane wore a green dot when he was in Pittsburgh. I'm still, I'm still kind of, I don't want to say questioning 
how he fits in this defense, but I'm, I'm, I'm somewhat questioning only because I know that he's not great in coverage. I know he's a really good guy when it comes to stopping the run. I know he hits really hard. He's kind of got that old-school linebacker feel, but playing the AFC West, and the AFC West throws the rock around the, yeah. the yard a lot, and there's a lot of talented tight ends, a lot of talented running backs coming out of the backfield, and if you can't cover, man, I mean, and look, Denzel Perryman was a guy that everybody liked. Every single member of Raider Nation loved them some Denzel Perryman, but his biggest weakness was coverage, and he still had two interceptions last year, but his you know coverage was his area of weakness, and, and, and he even said it, you know, so... I want to see how Robert Spillane fits in to this Raiders defense, what it looks like. But I think all three of those questions, uh, I think that those are those are very valid for Mailman Raider. Uh, I like that. Another text says uh, from the 209, what's up, Q? When it comes to paying Josh Jacobs, if they come to an agreement, do the Raiders even have the money to pay him now? Or will they pay him the franchise number? Then starting next year, uh, we'll be able to start on a new contract. And that's uh, from the 209. Uh, thank you so much for that text. I appreciate you. And, yeah, I mean, they have the money, right? I mean, they, they they have the money to get it done, whatever it is. You know, if it's the franchise tag, which is $10 million, uh, that's fully guaranteed. Or if they get a long-term deal done, your cap number will be less than that. If your cap, you know, if you have a long-term deal, it'll be a lot less than $10 million and however they structure the contract. But that won't be a problem. Paying him as far as getting him under the cap, that'll never be a problem. They, they've got that under control. The issue is... What does the contract look like? Is it going to be a long-term deal? Is it going to be just a franchise tag one year, and then let's see how it goes after that, right? I'm kind of expecting the Raiders to have more of a running back by committee style this year as opposed to what they did last year. But a lot of people we talk to expect to see the same kind of workload for Jacobs. I'm One of my questions, and uh, I asked Mike Sando this yesterday, are they going to treat him the way the Cowboys did with DeMarco Murray whenever That's it was what like— I think of too. Like, mm-hmm. I'm getting really scared of, like, are they going to, because they're like, okay, you don't, we can't figure out a long-term deal. We might as well burn the brakes off, like, right. burn you out, and right. then be like, all right, well, hit free agency, re- leading the league in rushing, but you may not have a lot of tread left on the tires. Right, and the thing about it is that sounds so, like, bad. You know, right. oh, we're going to gonna just, you know, run you, run you, run you, run you into the ground. But literally, that's what they do with running backs, right? They'll, right. they'll, they'll give them carry after carry after carry after carry, and then they'll let someone else pay them. And, you know, I remember I was in Texas when, they, when the Cowboys did that to DeMarco Murray, and he had a hell of a season, goes to Philadelphia, signs a big-time contract, and wasn't really worth the salt. Then he gets traded to – and he, he didn't fit in that Chip Kelly system at all, first of all. That was a terrible pick uh, for Chip Kelly, which was kind of the reason – one of the reasons why uh, he, he was not the head coach there long. And then gets traded to Tennessee, and it was just kind of like, eh, okay. The only thing he did really in Tennessee was – uh, prolonged Derrick Henry's career a little bit, <laughs> right? I mean, that's all he did is basically split carries with, with Derrick Henry for a while when really Henry could have been getting the, the all the carries from the beginning and still been okay for a while. But, uh, yeah, unfortunately for running backs, man, that's just, that's just how it is. It's always, you know, just kind of use them, use them, use them, and then when you're done using them, then you just kind of – all right, let them go and get their free agent money and, and, and somewhere else. And, and that's unfortunate. It's just, like I said, the way that the position is valued right now in the NFL. As a matter of fact, we'll ask our next guest about Josh Jacobs off top. That's Marcus Mosher, Raiders Wire at Marcus underscore Mosher on Twitter. And Marcus, thanks so much for your time. I do appreciate you. We just had a question about Josh Jacobs. Hit up, uh, we got hit up on our dobebroke.com text line uh, asking about Josh Jacobs and uh, if he's going to sign a franchise tag, if he's going to get the long-term deal. And, of course, we don't know what's going to end up happening there, but what do you think the approach is for the Raiders this year with Josh Jacobs? How do you think they use him? Oh, I think the role is going to be exactly the same. I okay. think they're going to I think they're going to give him a ton of touches this year. 
They're going to use him as the back, out of the backfield as a receiver. I, I, honestly, I, I can't see his role changing all that much. And I think Josh Jacobs knows that. And I think that's why they want to figure out a contract before the season gets started because he has so much wear and tear on his body from what he's done already in his rookie contract. And I do think something ultimately will get done. You know, it's funny, uh, uh, Jared here had mentioned DeMarco Murray, and I know you covered the Cowboys, and I was in Texas when the the DeMarco Murray situation was going on with the Cowboys and how much they were using him, and then they let him walk and go to uh, Philadelphia as a free agent. Can you see a situation like that happening with Josh Jacobs? I think it's possible. I, I don't think we can rule it out, right, because I think the Raiders will get to a point where they look at Josh Jacobs' touch totals and the amount of work that they put on his, you know, his tires over the last couple of years and be like, you know what, we're paying for a player whose production is going to decrease. I don't think you can rule it out. Right, no doubt. Marcus Mosher is our guest here on Raider Nation Radio 920. Unnecessary roughness. So as far as his backup goes, Zamir White, he was drafted in the fourth round out of Georgia. Uh, looks like from all reports that he's in a little bit better shape, lost a little bit of weight. Uh, what, what, what do you think, if Josh Jacobs has the same kind of workload, do you expect the same thing from Zamir White this year? I mean, what does he do? Well, Zamir White basically didn't play at right. all last year. despite right. looking pretty good in the preseason. I do think there's going to be a role for him, though. Remember last year, the Raiders were still rolling out some other running backs like Amir Abdullah, Brandon Bolden were getting some touches. So I think Zamir White could just gobble up all those touches. But, yeah, he's in fantastic shape, and that should be pretty scary for defenses considering you know, this is somebody who ran you know, 4-4-0 at the NFL you know, scouting combine at 210 pounds. He drops some weight. He looks a lot quicker. Uh, he knows this offense now. And I'm expecting Zamir White to have a pretty nice – you know, year two with the Raiders. And I'm glad you mentioned year two. That was one of the questions that I asked earlier on the show is, you know, what difference does a, a year make? You know, how much difference does this offense, obviously with some new players in place, but how much difference does things look, this team look in general, year two under Josh McDaniels as opposed to year one? What kind of changes do you think will stand out the most? I, I honestly have no idea what to expect in year <laughs> two. But I think, I, think, I think Raider players are kind of feeling the same way. Like, okay, we – we bought in year one. We got worse, you know, under Josh McDaniels. But is the roster in better shape than it was last year? Right. I, I don't know. I think the defense still looks like it could be one of the worst in the NFL. So I don't know. I, I think this is a huge year for Josh McDaniels. But you know, that goes without saying. Like they've they've got to be better. They've got to be more competitive. I, I'll just be honest. I just don't see it. Okay. No, that's fair. That's that's very fair. That's why we ask the questions. And, and you know, uh, the the over-under, what, the win total is 7.5, and, and most people are, are going under. So I'm assuming that uh, you feel like under 7.5 wins could be re- very reasonable for this team. Yeah, it, it feels like it's going to be one of those seasons where they might go 7-10 and 10, but be in 14 different games. You know right. what I mean? Yeah. And it all comes down to the last possession and can Jimmy Garoppolo or whoever's that quarterback lead you to a field goal We'll see. I, I still think it's a competitive team, but I don't know. I just don't know how you can say for sure this is a nine, ten win team or a playoff team in the AFC. Yeah, no, we asked the question, you know, I think a week or so ago, if the, the Raiders have done enough on the defensive side of things, brought in enough talent to be better. I don't expect them to be great, but be better than what they were last season. I mean, you've seen the free agents, you saw the draft picks. Any of those guys stand out to you as difference makers? I mean, I think Tyree Wilson has a chance, right? If he can be everything they're hoping for in year one and be, you know, somebody who you can reliably get on the field and you can now take Max Crosby off the field every once in a while and give him a break because he was playing 
what, over a thousand snaps last year. Mm-hmm. He's probably the key to the defense. The other one I'm going to mention is Divine Diablo, their okay. starting middle linebacker. Josh McDaniels talked about him today saying, hey, we're giving him the green dot, which means he's going to basically be the quarterback of the defense. Uh, he's actually got his body into a little bit better shape. If he can become a very solid linebacker, the defense will have a chance to be average. And that's saying a lot because the Raiders haven't had an average defense in terms of points per game since the early 2000s. They've been below 20th in points per game over the last, I believe, 15 years. They need to have an average defense to have a chance. I agree. I agree, and that's that's one of the biggest uh, keys is getting that defense to be uh, average or better, right? If, I mean, that's that's the goal. But like you said, if they're if they're average, they're going to be better than they were uh, the last few seasons. And I'm glad you brought up Divine Diablo. I was asking about Robert Spillane earlier. Dave Ziegler had mentioned him in the Green Dot yesterday when we had an opportunity to talk to him. What do you see as Robert Spillane's roles on this team, especially since, uh, from all accounts, he's not that great in coverage. No, and I'm actually surprised he got as big of a deal as he did uh, because with Pittsburgh, he was kind of getting phased out over the last couple of weeks. He really became more just their downhill thumper. But that's really what the Raiders are going to need, right? Somebody who can play in the run game, that can make a million tackles and just not get exposed in the passing game. Unfortunately, that's been an issue for him his entire career. So maybe that's when you'll see the Raiders try to take him off the field. But if he can just be that guy that eats up blocks and makes tackles, uh, I think the Raiders will get their money's worth out of him. Talking right now with Marcus Mosher from the Raiders Wire here on Raider Nation Radio 920, Unnecessary Roughness. How about these two guys in the secondary? Amik Robertson, who's the last guy hanging around from the 2020 draft for the Raiders, and then Nate Hobbs. Uh, what are your expectations for those two guys? How do you think the Raiders use them this upcoming year? Let's start with Hobbs, because I think of the two, he's the most talented, and frankly, I think he's the most talented defensive back they've got. Now, he... He did not have a great 2022 season, uh, but the potential is there. Like th- that rookie season that he had was phenomenal. Uh, he is a really good player who can play in the outside and in the slot. He's really the only corner that I kind of trust in this defense in a big spot. Uh, so I expect him to have a better year. But as for Amik, I think they just need to let him play in the slot. Let him play in the slot. Let him be aggressive. Remember, this is somebody who had 14 interceptions. Uh, at Louisiana Tech in college. We know he has ball skills. Mm -hmm. I kind of like what I saw from him at times last year, and it felt like there was going to be times where he might not have been on the roster. Uh, But we're going into year four now. Uh, I think it's time for him to kind of take over that starting slot job. I'll tell you what, Marcus, I wrote him off last year in the fourth preseason game. I said that was going to be his last game in in a Raiders uniform, and then all of a sudden he had a hell of a fourth preseason game and and made the roster and made some plays. And and I'm with you. He looked good at times. He just needs to do it more consistently. Yeah, and he's he's probably their best option in the slot right now. They probably don't have anybody else that can challenge him for that spot. But again – he just needs to play more consistently. If he can do that, I think the Raiders might be a, you know, a little bit surprising in the secondary. You know, you mentioned Amik having that ball production in college, and the Raiders went out and drafted a couple guys, Jacorian Bennett and Chris Smith. They also have ball production at school. How important is that for those guys and, and the team itself to bring in guys like that that are used to getting their hands on the ball? Oh, it's the most important thing for a defensive back. You can go through the history of the draft and, players that just don't take the ball away very often in college aren't suddenly going to do it in the NFL. It's a skill. And I think for somebody like Chris Smith specifically, playing in a bunch of big games for Georgia and making big plays in national championship games, I do think that's going to translate. I don't think he's going to be afraid of the moment. 
And I wouldn't be surprised, even after the Raiders sign Marcus Epps in free agency, if they find ways to get him on the field. Remember, this is somebody who the Raiders traded up for in the draft. They can find different ways to get uh, Trayvon Merrick and Marcus Epps and Chris Smith on the field at the same time. So that's kind of the guy that I'm keeping my eye on during camp and as we get into the preseason. Marcus Bosher is our guest here on Raider Nation Radio 920, Necessary Roughness. Trayvon Merrick is a guy we just heard from. He spoke at the Intermountain Healthcare Performance Center. How big is training camp and preseason for Trayvon Merrick as he goes into year three? Massive. I, I think he needs to be one of the leaders of the defense because he's just one of the most experienced guys that they've had. He's, he's played nearly every snap since being drafted in the second round. He, we know that he's talented. We know that he can play just about every spot. They need him to be a leader. They need him to make that third-year jump. And I think we saw it at times last year, uh, him just being you know, a solid player. But the Raiders need him to be a little bit more. They need more takeaways. They need him to be a little bit more dynamic in coverage. Uh, I think he's a really key player for that secondary. How big is this year in general for defensive coordinator Patrick Graham? <laughs> well, it's massive, right? Because I, <laughs> I think Patrick Graham was one of the hot names around the NFL uh, over the last couple of years, I think if he if he transforms this defense into a you know average ish unit, I won't be surprised if he gets some head coaching interviews this off season. But if he struggles, he could be gone, and the whole coaching staff could be gone. So it, that's just what kind of year it is for the Raiders, right? It's really a make or break year, not only for several players, but this entire coaching staff. And I think Patrick Graham is well respected around the league, but. If your defense is going to be ranked at the bottom, you know, of the league, you're just you're not going to get very many chances. No, you're not. It's so funny when they hired uh, Patrick Graham. That's all I kept saying is, oh, man, this is a guy that's getting a lot of love. He's going to be a guy that's going to get some interviews for a head coaching job. And then, well, the defense looked like it did a year ago. And then it was crickets this year. And he got the Senior Bowl love, right? I mean, he was the head coach there at the Senior Bowl, so that was good. But, yeah, I mean, I I, I thought that there was a chance that he was going to leave as a, as a head coach. But, obviously, he's got to be a lot better than he was last year. Yeah, it's, it's just a results-based league, right? It, 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 I don't think anybody expects this Raiders defense to be top 10 or anything right. like that. But again, if he can get them to play at or near an average level, that's when I think we'll see the hype for Patrick Graham really start to heat up. Again, we're talking with Marcus Mosher from the Raiders Wire here on Raider Nation Radio 920. Unnecessary roughness. Just got a couple more questions for you. The the million-dollar question, I know the rumors are all out there about Hunter Renfro. Will he or will he not be on the roster this year? At this point of the game, Marcus, is there real value, I guess I should say, in Hunter Renfro not being on the Raiders? This is such a difficult question because I think you look at his contract, right? I think he's due $19 million over the next two years, which is a pretty reasonable number for one of the better slot receivers in the league. But does he fit with Devontae Adams and Jacoby Myers? We, we know that Jacoby Myers is one of the most efficient slot receivers in the league. So the Raiders just committed a ton of money to him. But are you going to play Myers on the outside in Renfro in the slot? Or are you going to transition more to a two-tight end-based offense and not have Renfro on the field? I don't know. But it does feel like something might happen this offseason. And I think you know a team like the Saints, you know, reuniting with Derek Carr, playing in the slot would make sense. Or the, the Falcons, who could use some more wide receiver help. I don't expect this Hunter Renfro buzz to go away anytime soon. You know, it's so interesting because I know that there's, you know, some some financial gain if they were to, to trade him at this point. It's not a whole lot, but it's it's some. I just think that, 
you should give him, and when I say you, I mean I mean the organization, give him a year of being in Josh McDaniel's system and healthy, right? Because, man, the slot receiver has always dominated in McDaniel's system. And the last thing you want to do for Jimmy Garoppolo is take away weapons, right? The, mm-hmm. the, the most successful we've ever seen Jimmy Garoppolo be is when he's with the 49ers and they have Debo Samuel and Brandon Ayuk and George Kittle. I don't want to take away weapons. I, I want to get. I want to have as many options in the passing game as possible for Jimmy Garoppolo. And if it doesn't work out this offseason and it's clear that, you know, hey, we want Myers in the slot or whatever they decide, then you move on. But considering his price and what you'd get back in a trade, I don't think it's worth it. Trey Tucker, DeAndre Carter, who's going to be the return guy, punt return, kick return? I mean, they kind of are similar, except for Trey Tucker is a fourth-round pick that can fly. So kick return is really just your fair catcher now, right? Like, right. Which guy do you trade? Yeah, <laughs> you're it's right. Really, it's really the punt returning job. I think it's going to be Trey Tucker. I think the Raiders want to give him as many opportunities as possible. You know, they drafted him in the third round, maybe a little bit higher than what people thought, but he's got incredible speed. I think the Raiders are going to give him every opportunity to win that job. And if he can't do it, maybe that's when we see – you know, Hunter Renfro, go back on punt returns. Or maybe that's when we see DeAndre Carter do it. But, again, I think it's going to be Trey Tucker. Final question for you, and this is a question I threw out there earlier. One of my questions I have about this team heading into, well, they have mandatory minicamp today. Of course, training camp is coming up much later. But who do you think is going to be the most impactful rookie that the Raiders have this year? Ooh, that's a really good question. I'm going Michael Mayer. I, I was shocked that he fell that far mm-hmm. to the Raiders in the second round. And it seems like – there was a lot of buzz about him potentially going as high as 15 to the Jets. I know he was on the short list of names they were going to consider. Michael Mayer is the most productive tight end in Notre Dame history, and we've had 19 drafted since 2000. Like this, Notre Dame just produces NFL tight ends. Wow. I think Michael Mayer is going to walk right in, be the tight end one, and give them really solid production. Now, he's not dynamic after the catch, so... You're not going to confuse him with Travis Kelsey or anything like that. But somebody who, on third and five, you're confident can get open for seven yards, I think it's going to be Michael Mayer. And I won't be surprised if he catches 60 balls as a rookie. There you go. I'll just say, uh, great minds think alike, because that was the one I said too. (laughs) Michael Mayer. So there you go. We're on the same page. Marcus, fantastic stuff. What do you got coming out on the Raiders wire that we should be on the lookout for? Yeah, we've got some uh, potential trade candidates for the Raiders to improve the roster. Mm. Uh, we're looking at the top five players on the roster this year, so make sure you guys go check that out, RaidersWire at USAToday.com. I'm definitely going to check that out. That trade conversation is something I'm very interested in. Marcus, thanks so much for your time. Appreciate you. Thanks, fellas. Yes, sir. Marcus Mosher right there, RaidersWire at Marcus underscore Mosher. Uh, does a fantastic job. RaidersWire, USA Today. Check it out. And trade conversation. He said he don't think that trade's going away. And, Jared, I'll, I'll be straight up, man. I know we've been talking about is Hunter going to be on the roster? Is he not? I don't see a lot of value in him not being on the roster at this point. At this stage I mean, of the game, I mean, unless there's someone that you really got your eye on that you're going to use that money that you're saving by trading him on someone, I don't see where the value's at. Yeah, I don't either. And I, the McDaniels quarterback system, at least as it was in New England, would have a the three-tier system whenever you're in the red zone, right. which, hey, they were working on the red zone today. Yep. Uh and maybe we can ask Paul Gutierrez about it, but in the front of the end zone, you go low. In the middle, you go middle. And in the back, you go high. Right, right. Hunter Renfro diving at the, like, at, 
at the line is kind of like that should be a cheat code. And but he's really good at it. He's really good at that. You're right. Uh, it's, it's, it's levels to the game when you're in the red zone, and the Raiders could use all the help they can get in the red zone. Many thanks to Marcus. Definitely appreciate that. You can give us your feedback as well. Don't be broke.com. Text line 69187, keyword R&R, 702-365-9200. Raider Nation listener line, hit us up right now and let us know your three biggest questions that you have uh, for the Raiders as they start a mandatory minicamp today. 144 is the time. This is Raider Nation Radio 920. Now back to Unnecessary Roughness with your boy Q on Raider Nation Radio. Coming up at the top of the hour, Paul Gutierrez from ESPN. He's out at the Intermountain Healthcare Performance Center, Raiders HQ. He'll talk to us about what he was able to see, what his takeaways were from day one, a mandatory minicamp. I threw the question out there. You could chime in at any time at 69187, keyword R&R, 702-365-9200. What are your three big questions you have about the Raiders as mandatory minicamp got underway today? Uh, we brought up Divine Diablo, that name you've heard a few times. Patrick Graham, defensive coordinator, calls him Big Swole. He's bigger. He's been hitting weights. I asked Dave Ziegler about Big Swole yesterday. He talked about him, likes what they're bringing to the table. Josh McDaniels talked about Big Swole earlier today and kind of bragged on him, sounded like he's in a good place. Well, here was Big Swole at the podium just a few minutes ago. Fine, I was talking to one of your teammates over the weekend, and he told me something from last week. I want to ask you about that there was a play, and he heard your voice. And he said, I know who he is. I, he's my teammate. He's my friend. But I hadn't heard him on a field being so vocal and putting people in the right spots. I'm curious, does that come with just maturity now? You've grown into your place? Is it something they've said to you, we need more of it? But he was bragging about about how you've grown. Yes, sir. Uh, I think it's a little bit of both. Definitely comes with maturity. Um, a little more confident in my job, knowing what to do and everybody else's job. Also, that's something the coaches asked me to do, is just step up and help lead out there on the field. Can you take us back to that play in Jacksonville you know, when the injury occurred? What was your thoughts that went through your mind? And what are the things that you've done to overcome that to now? Uh, that play, it was a sweep to the right. I got off a block, made the tackle. DP just came and hit me. Um, I didn't think my arm was broken. Um, X-ray came, and, and it turned out to be broken. Of course, I was down. I was sad. That was like two injuries in two years. Um, and I knew I was going to miss the rest of the season, but... I saw it as an opportunity. I just studied the game. I worked harder. And this offseason, I stayed here the whole time and just, you know, in hopes that uh, it would work out on the field. You obviously look bigger. Um, you had a, a good weight. Um, was that just kind of the natural uh, maturation of you going into your third year, or did you feel like you needed to do something uh, to I, increase the power? I feel like I needed to do something. Um, I feel like uh, I needed to increase weight to keep up with the linemen, but not too much weight so I can also be uh, – do my part in coverage as well. Do you feel like you found that balance with where? <laughs> yes, yeah, sir. I'm still working on it. <laughs> I might have got a little too heavy, but um, running out there on the field is going to help over time. Being a converted safety, how much has helped that helps mold your game? Um, seeing the game from a different lens, you know, when you're playing safety, things are happening in front of you. When you're a second level backer, things are happening behind you. To be honest with you, it, it was very challenging. Um, like you said, at safety, everything is in front of you. You see everything in the back. You kind of got to get a feel for the routes behind you. Um, I will say over the years, I've gotten more comfortable with the concept, so we'll see where it goes. Divine, what was kind of the message today, just day one of minicamp? Josh McDaniel says, you know, all of us can do better, starting with him. What was kind of the day one message today? Uh, day one message is just focus, details, and um, energy. Run to the ball. Really the whole linebacker room outside of yourself, you know, you guys were hit up pretty badly by injury from Denzel to, to a few others. Um, how much do you think you could benefit just from having 
you know, ideally greater stability with, between you and Spillane and Luke Master and some of the guys being back up for this Honestly, I think all the guys in the room are hungry and ready to work. Um, but like you said, Luke, Spill, um, Curtis, Darian, Kanai, all of them, Bernie, new guy, rookies, they're all coming to play. We all play with each other. There's no like one position. I play with five different linebackers today, so we all just coming to work. My coach said that you're wearing the green dot, so I'm curious how you feel about your progression in that role as well. Um, a lot more confident than I was last year. Last year, you know, I, I was, you know, new kid on the block. I was nervous. It's my first uh, year in the system. So now I'm more comfortable. Um, I've been doing it for a while now. So, yeah, I'm ready. Speaking of rookies, um, what have you seen from Adam Plant Jr.? Um, I've been so focused uh, on this linebacker room, I'm be honest, I am not sure. I mean, that, is it kind of like a badge of honor or something you thought about over the years that we're doing or not really? Is that something you... Um, honestly, it, it makes myself proud because uh, when I was younger, I played quarterback. So now being a green knight, it's like quarterback of the defense. So it uh, puts a smile on my face. Did you ever have that at Virginia Tech, the, the green knight or anything like Actually, that? no, I didn't. Um, well, we looked towards the sideline majority of the time, but the linebacker at Virginia Tech was calling the majority of the plays. What's that conversation like uh, when they come to you and talk to you about that possibility? And were you open to it from the, when they approached about it? Uh, they just called me up to the office and um, just suggested, basically, um, tell me to prepare for it. And to be completely honest with you, uh, they tell all the linebackers to prepare for it. So we just all have to be ready. How, um, have things slowed down this year, with uh, year two in this in this particular system? Uh, personally, for me, yes, yes. Um, have you gained uh, from last year? Obviously, you look quicker. Um, in your upper body, but how much how much weight have you gained since last year? Uh, before we started OTAs, I went from 225 to 238. Now I'm at 234. Okay. So let's see where it goes. When you said you know you're still kind of figuring it out, is that something you want to go into training camp at the weight? Is that what OTAs and minicamps for to kind of figure out? What yes, sir. That is the plan. Um, I'm out here at 234 right now. I want to see where I'm comfortable as. I want to be able to run as long as I can. I also want to be able to take on these linemen. So, yeah. There you go. Big Swole, a.k.a. Devon Diablo, talking about got that conversation about the green dot. And I liked how he brought dropped a little nugget that, hey, they told all the linebackers to be prepared. <laughs> they tell everybody that. Well, no, that's a good thing because it kind of answers the question that I had about Robert Spillane. So, okay, he's got the green dot, but they also told everyone to do that. We'll talk to Paul Gutierrez about that. We'll do it next. Kickoff hour number three of the show. It's Radio Nation Radio 920.